Hey everybody, this is Alan Fenstermaker here with Pro Wrestling Archives. I'm here with indie professional wrestler Mason Martin. How are you doing today, Mason? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Now, um, how long have you been a uh, pro wrestler for? Uh, June 9th will make three years for me. Okay. Um, being considered a... Uh, professional and active shows, but I've been training since I was 14, so okay. it's been a while, been around it. Now, uh, who inspired you to become a pro wrestler? Um, I remember watching uh, guys like The Big Show and like these the really bigger than live guys, like, you know, the Giants and the like Vader and King Kong Bundy and these really big dudes just beating people down. And <clears throat> that's what first caught my attention with wrestling, but who really captivated me and wanted me to be a, uh, made me want to be a wrestler was Mick Foley. Okay. Because not only did he inflict the punishment, but he took it a lot of times. Mm -hmm. and, he, and he took everything he did to the extreme always. And he gave his 100% every performance. And I felt like that's something I could do and I actually want to do. And that's what inspired me to be a wrestler. Okay. Now, um, I know you said you started training when you were, when you were 14 years old. Now, like, what kind of training did you do to become a pro wrestler? And uh, what were some of the obstacles that you had to overcome? Um, so, the I'll, I'll tell you about the... At first, uh, so when he first started in professional wrestling with training, um, the the biggest thing they all they try and test you with is uh, your willingness to learn and if you're in good enough shape to to do the drills and stuff like that without being sloppy. So like when I first started, my my first few weeks to like a month month and a half we're just learning how to run the ropes um take your bump safely uh very very minimal stuff uh hit the corner a couple a bunch of times to make sure you when you hit the corner you look good stuff like that um your roles are another big thing that uh that I learned that a lot of people seem to learn right off the bat is how to do your front roll, your back roll, your three-quarter roll, dive rolls, stuff like that. Um, and then the biggest challenges for me early on when I first started training was because I started so young, I was uh, 14 with a bunch of grown men. And... <clears throat> Uh, one of the biggest challenges was my immaturity, um, and I got a cap on that pretty quick, um, but that's one of the challenges I faced. I also faced uh, my cardio, uh, having bad cardio, that was a big challenge. I had to, you know, I had to work on my cardio to be able to to do the drills and, and stay in uh Stay in practice longer instead of doing a few things and having to get out to catch wind. So cardio was one of the biggest things I had to work on early on. But once I got a cap on that, everything kind of became second nature to me. Um, and I had really great 
trainers and mentors who were patient with me, even through me being immature or, you know, they, they weren't, they never yelled or got frustrated or, you know, they always, they always maintained level-headedness with me, I guess you could say, um, which was, was really helpful with being so young, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, like, what kind of stuff did you do to help improve your cardio ability for the, for the ring? Um, so I, uh, I played football my whole life, so I kind of just took the, uh, cardiovascular workouts from football, like jogging, um, they had things called, uh, suicide sprints, uh, I did those, um, I just kind of worked out, like, when I was, that's when I first learned about lifting weights in the gym and everything, and that's when I started to uh, put my time and effort into molding who I wanted to be within the ring was through working out. Um, but the cardiovascular part was a lot of sprints and jogging and just continuously, like, pushing myself. Like, one week I would, I would jog around the block, right? I would jog all week. Then the week after that, I would kind of sprint. Then the week after that, I would fully sprint around the block, around the block, and stuff like that. Like it was small stuff, but it was very beneficial. Okay. Now, like, uh, who were some of the trainers that uh, that trained you to become a pro wrestler? So uh, early on, when I was being trained, and uh, when I was fourteen, uh, was uh, Nick Taylor, but he's more popularly known as uh, Sickened of Riot City, um, Matt Cordwell is another one who was really big on me learning, uh, his name is Matt Wild, that's his, uh, wrestling name, he's also, he was a part of Riot City, so they were tag partners at the time, so Matt was very, um, present <laughs> back then, because they were tagging a lot, and you know, you always hang out with your tag bar and stuff like that. So Matt was there and kind of took that role upon himself. Uh, he saw all potential in me, and he he uh, he wanted to be a part of the training process just as much as Nick was. Um, but they both helped me a lot. And then uh, as I progressed, and I actually when I debuted at seventeen, um, that's when. Uh, I worked around for about a, a half a year, a year, and then uh, Mr. Grimm, Chris Lewis, took me under his wing for a while, and he mentored me. So I've had I've had a really good mentors and trainers and people who, uh, you know, they were very patient with me, and I, you know, that that says a lot about them, and I'm forever grateful for each of them in their own way. I think they they all three of them gave me certain things that helped me succeed. I don't think one gave more than the other. I think they all three uniquely gave me something that helped me succeed in the way that I'm succeeding now. You know what I mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So props to those three men, you know, okay. I care, I care immensely about all three. And I really, I don't really think I would be where I'm at now without, any of them. I think all three of them were very vital in what I'm doing now. Okay. Excuse me. Okay. 
Now, uh, any highlights of your career that you'd like to talk about? Um, I have a, I have a couple. Um, from the very beginning, when I first started out, I had the opportunity to wrestle Kevin Sullivan in a tag team match, and at that time, I was I was fresh out of training. I was I was only seventeen at the time, but it was a very fun match, and I learned a lot from him. That was really a highlight that I'll never forget. Um, uh, that was a really fun night, and not many people get to say they wrestled Kevin Sullivan, let alone to say they were able to do it at such a young age. And I, I will forever hold that near and dear to my heart. Uh, another one was making my debut for uh, H2O Wrestling. Um, Matt Tremont's company up in uh, Williamstown, New Jersey. Uh, I always looked up to Tremont. He was like my main dude that I would watch on the independent scene growing up. And he was really um, uh, another big influence on me. Uh, and one of my biggest goals was to actually work for him and his company. And that was a highlight of like my my very short, you know, career I'm only three years in but that that was another big highlight of it and then this past year I made my uh deathmatch tournament debut with H2O which was really really a big deal to me um uh it was a it was a big deal because number one it was my first tournament but also it was um it was a big deal because it was a tournament that Matt Tremont ran, and that was one of my biggest influences on wanting to do deathmatch wrestling. So those three things were really near and dear to my heart. Okay. Now, like, um, what kind of uh, strategy do you have when, you, when you're in a deathmatch? Um, the strategy that I go in with is always to make sure the person that I'm, I'm wrestling or I'm working with is safe. I, I always want everyone in the match and myself, but more importantly, I want them to be safe because that I feel like that's our responsibility as as performers to one another to keep each other safe. And also another big thing is I always want to learn something when I'm out there, whether it be something small or big. I always want to have something that I can take away from the match and learn from. Um, and uh, really, that's like my two biggest things as far as strategy goes. I, I always want to make sure everyone's safe. Um, and I always want to be able to take something away from what I'm doing and uh, learn from it. And, I, and I'm surrounded by a great group of guys within H2O that help me learn every every match I have. I always take something away from it. And uh, But number one on the list of, and my strategy is to keep everyone safe. Okay. Now, uh, what's the biggest thing that you've uh, gotten out of or learned from uh, the times that you've competed in death matches? Um, so, I've wrestled uh, Spockade many of times, and uh, I think Spockade's a very underrated performer. I think he's he's, an am he's amazing in the ring. His psychology is, is A1. And uh, anytime I wrestled him, I learned how to put a match together structurally, um, how to make 
the, the build-up of violence within a death match makes sense instead of just going out there and just going nuts and just throwing things at each other. I think he, he taught me how to make every big spot we do mean something. And uh, that was that's very vital in deathmatch wrestling because you want everything to make sense. And you also want the best reaction for the, the, the high spots, the match. And he taught me how to, you don't have to start off throwing and banging every match. You, you, you know, you start off slow and you get progressively more and more violent to the point of where it's like, okay, now we're in full gear and now it's pure violence. Um, he taught me that. Uh, another person that was really big on teaching me stuff within deathmatch wrestling is uh, Matt Tremont. I've had uh, uh, I've been fortunate enough um, that he's let me spend the night with him a couple times after shows, uh, and I would just stay up all night picking his brain. I know sometimes it probably got annoying, but um, like I would stay up and I would ask him many different questions and, and he always had a solid answer and he was always happy to give me that answer. He never really, he never really showed he was annoyed. I just could maybe that's just me, <laughs> but, uh, no, he's a, he's a great guy. All the, all the, all of the roster at H2O are great dudes. I've learned so much from many of them, but I would have to say as far as deathmatch wrestling, I would have to say like, learning from Stockade and Matt Tremont so far have been my biggest, um, uh, the biggest help because Tremont's a legend in his own right. He's, he's literally a living legend. Um, like I said, Stockade is incredibly underrated. He's one of the best performers I've ever wrestled with. Um, and to have both of them teach me what they know and uh, give me their advice has been very critical on the way I put stuff together as far as death matches and even regular matches for that matter. I think they both have a great mind for the business. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, those two were, were a really big help in how I, how I structure my death matches and how I've learned how to do certain things within said death matches. Okay. Awesome. Now, um, what pro- what are some of the promotions that you've worked for? I know you said H two O, but what other uh, promotions have you worked for in your time in the business? Um, so I uh, I work for H two O, which I said. I work for Titan Championship Wrestling in New Jersey as well. Um, that's another great promotion. Uh, I've worked for Standalone Wrestling. Uh, I've worked for um, Outbreak in Pennsylvania, which is a big up-and-coming promotion. They're they're trying to make their way up. They have a lot of really good talent, and uh, they do a great job promoting every show. Um, I've worked there. I've worked for... uh, There's so many. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of, like, the key ones. Titan, H2O, Outbreak. Uh, I work for C3W, which is a, a brand new company uh, in the D.C. area. I worked for EWA in Maryland. I've worked for Adrenaline Championship Wrestling in Maryland. Um, 
There's so many. I worked for IWA Mid-South in Indiana. I worked for a company called uh, Out uh, Bandit Pro Wrestling and uh, Tennessee. That was another fun experience. Um, yeah, so there's been a lot. And I have um, uh, a couple of new places that were scheduled for this year, but unfortunately due to the pandemic have been put off so far. But, yeah, those are like the main ones that I've worked for. Okay. And uh, what is your favorite era or time period in uh, pro wrestling? Um, I'm fairly young, so this may sound odd. Um, I'm only 20 years old, but I really like the Attitude Era. Like, I go back and I watch, like, everything from the Attitude Era. I think that was really, really, really good stuff. That, that's my personal favorite. Uh, the Attitude Era and also the Ruthless Aggression Era, uh, era where uh, Brock Lesnar was, was at the top at the time, and uh, John Cena was just making his way in, and you get to see a young John Cena mold into what he is now, which is... He's a, he's a legend. Um, but yeah, those two eras are probably my favorite, the Ruthless Aggression era and the um, Attitude era. Okay. Now, out of the stuff that you, uh, that, you, that you saw in the Attitude era and Ruthless Aggression era with guys like John Cena that you, that you talked about, like, um, how do you incorporate that or do you incorporate that into your style of uh, professional wrestling t- to this day? So, um, in the Attitude Era, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, uh, Mankind, whatever you want to call him, he was very present in that era, and I think he always blurred the line between what was, what some fans would call fake, and what was real, and I always try to blur that line, so he was a, that's a big thing that I took away from the Attitude Era, is always try to blur that line, I think it makes every match more entertaining if you can do that, if you can successfully blur the line. Um, and then the Ruth, the Ruthless Aggression era had a lot of, like, monster heels. They had a lot of, like, really big dudes just going out there and, like, squashing the smaller talent and, like, looking like pure monsters. Like, A-Train was one of my favorites. Um, I think I try to take away from all of, like, their monster heels at the time, like, their style. Um, so between those two, I try to take away, like, the monster heel stuff that they had going on in the Ruthless Aggression era and then the Attitude era with uh, Mankind and the way he would blur the line between what was so-called fake and, and what was real, you know. Yeah. So those two things I always try to incorporate in whatever I do. Okay. Now, um, last one, uh, last one here. Now, you mentioned the uh, the death matches and the hardcore matches. What is what is your uh, your favorite style of uh, pro wrestling? I, I know this is gonna sound like kind of contradictive, but it's between two. Uh, I really like the family style, uh, like family oriented professional wrestling. Um, and I also really like deathmatch wrestling. I think both have a lot to offer in their own special way. Like deathmatch wrestling is like that's as real as it gets within professional wrestling. Like not nothing is fake. The barbed wire is real. The 
the light tubes are real, the glass is real. Um, you know, that all of that is, is just like, it's just brutal, you know. And then you have the family style where, you know, you can connect with an audience. Not saying you can't connect with an audience in deathmatch wrestling because you, you, you absolutely can. But I think in a very own special way, you connect to not only the adults in the crowd, but you also connect with that, that kid in the crowd as well. Um, you know, you go from, whereas deathmatch is you're a gladiator, right? You know, you're, you're a warrior and you're in there for bloodshed. Whereas in the family thing, you're either, you're a superhero, you're a super villain. And I think it's pretty cool that you can play any of those roles, give or take what show you're at, you know, I think it's cool. You can be a superhero one night and then you can go and work the next night at a deathmatch show and be a gladiator and you're out there for blood and that's what the audience wants to see. I think those two uh, styles of wrestling and styles of shows are, are very special and they have their own, uh, their own special way of attracting certain audiences. So I like to do both of those. I like to do family-oriented and also deathmatch style. I think those two are really fun and they're, they're both my personal favorites. Okay. Now, um, now, as we wrap up this interview here, do you have any uh, social media or anything you'd like to plug uh, so people could uh, come check you out and uh, possibly, uh, when shows start rolling again, book you? Um, you can add my Facebook account. It's Mason Martin. Nine times out of ten, I'll add you. Um, also, my Instagram is Baltimore underscore Beast 20. Um, those are my main two social media things that I keep up with the most. Also, I have a YouTube channel that's uh, simply Mason Martin. Uh, I don't really post there a lot, but if you're interested in seeing highlight videos or matches, that's where you can go to watch them. Okay. And uh, thanks again for joining us for this interview. And again, this has been Alan Fenstermaker on uh, Pro Wrestling Archives with uh, Mason Martin. Thanks again for tuning in. Thank you. Okay, thank you.